Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. We are back for an emergency-ish episode because we thought we'd wait a few days after all the big news has happened, just in case there was any more big news. And naturally, there wasn't really. But now that we've probably recorded this, about five minutes after we publish it, there will then be big news. But we've decided to record now anyway, so let's just get on with it. I am one of your hosts, Timo Daily, and it is just two of us today. It is Batman and Batwoman. Robin is off gallivanting around somewhere, but I've got Ellie Mae Taylor with me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very cold. It I is December. It get warmer. I, I, I wish it would get warmer. You you should have followed Robin and gone and gone south of the winter. I should I should have yeah. I should that have analogy worked a lot south. better than I thought that was going to. But as I said, we were back for an emergency-ish episode because the team principals decided that the drivers were having too much fun with silly season early this year and decided to do their own version of it in the winter off season. And it was a very busy start of the week, wasn't it, early May? Um, first of all, the news that Jost Capito leaving Williams after two years in the role. Bit of a shocker, that one. Yeah, and it's not just him as well. Their technical director, Dimason, has also gone with him um it's kind of unclear whether capture resigned or sort of was pushed to kind of leave as i think it seems like some of their investors weren't happy with how slowly williams were making progress but i think they're forgetting how there are years of structural instability within williams and a lot of personnel turnaround and since i think paddy Lowe um left in back in 2019 they never replaced him as any so there's never any a technical director, and which is a whole other story that I won't go into. Um, I don't think we have time. More but, off-season content for later on. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take Williams years to create stability and improve. And I think this now perhaps creates more problems for Williams as they're just going to have to create, try and create more stability again. I do think Williams were on the upward trajectory, whether that be as slowly as they were going and I think Yost did really create the foundations for Williams to rise again so I think it's definitely a shame and a shock that he's he's gone and I don't if if the investors are sort of unhappy with how slowly it's going I don't know yeah there, there's not expect. really been if it, if it was a case if he was pushed they're not in a rush to name the replacement which if you think you've got someone from within that you would promote to that level, that would have happened by now, as other teams have, as we'll get to in a minute. But like you say, he's he's a nice guy, but he's not kind of nice and you can walk all over him. He will get the job done. It's just you maybe have underestimated the size of the job that you've given him. You can't expect results overnight as such in Formula 1 in terms of two years ain't going to be enough time to, to sort this out, take you from 10th to 1st. That's just not how that happens. Even if we look at Mercedes when they took over in 2013 from, oh no, not 2013, sorry, so much earlier on than that from, from Braun, it took them a good four or five years. And even then, regulation changed to benefit them to even get to the top. So you need to have a lot of, not luck with that, but you need some things to fall your way in according to that, never mind all the hard work with that. Um, in terms of who would replace it, though, we've got two names at the moment that are running around the place, which you have probably seen, both you, Ellie Mae, and those listening. The first of which I wouldn't mind, but I don't see happening, just because he seems to be embodying Fast and Furious uh, at the moment in terms of prioritising family. 
and that is Jensen Button. Yes, I, I've seen that and it's like, I don't understand where that's kind of come from. Well, it's because he's like, the special advisor to the team, so everyone what? just jumps, ooh, yes. I know, and it's almost like, could it happen? Because it's so far-fetched, but at the same time, I can't see him wanting that role. I think Jensen's having, he's got two young kids at the minute. I think that will be a huge factor in whatever he does. And, yeah, I just don't see it happening he, at he all. He seems quite content in what he's doing, like you say. When he's not with yeah. his family, he's working with Lotus. He's got the Extreme E team. He dabbles very occasionally in Nitro RX, and then he does the Sky Sports a few times in the year. You don't need to be adding team principal to that as much as we might like it. Your advisory role there is probably enough to be getting on with, especially as it's one of those roles where we're not entirely sure what his responsibilities are, but we're glad he's back with the team he started F1 with. Um, the other name though much more lucrative and this is where I get to badmouth Jesse on the podcast and he can't defend himself because he put in the group chat as if it was a statement of truth this was happening and then crushed my dreams immediately so I have to ridicule him for promoting fake news like the the nasty person he is and Susie Wolf to be in charge of Williams, which I quite like the look of that. Formula E background, she's obviously driven for Williams at Silverstone before in an F1 practice session. Toto, previously co-owned part of the team. And you got to think that if she comes along and does what she does best, which has just been absolute boss, could she get a little special advisor in the form of a Claire Williams? Um, just to help her with a little bit of advice here or there and just to have a Williams back on the grid. You Maybe I'm asking too much of you, mate, but you're smiling already. I think, well, firstly with Susie, she's got huge pedigree. Obviously, she knows Williams. She's been a team principal and CEO of Venturi Racing um, in Formula E. She has the background. Whether she wants to do it, I don't know. I would love to see her in that role. I think it would be amazing that... Yes, <laughs> I think if we were going to get a female team principal back in F1, now would be the time to do it just because there is so much change happening. Um, in terms of Claire Williams... Maybe I'm asking too I much, I, I, but I it'd just be yeah, a nice little thing, just, just little advisory role, just, oh, just come I, to a few races. <laughs> I think she would not want that role in the slightest. <laughs> I think she's washed her hands with Williams. As much as she likes, probably still loves the F1 team, does she want to work there? No. I'm thinking like a Nikki Lauder role for her, you know, so it's as much or as little as responsibility she wants and she can come as good as she pleases. You know, I'm trying to make it as nice for her as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming she's listening to this and is now weighing it all up based on what I'm saying, but, you know. It would be nice. Um I was, I was trying to think <laughs> who who replaced, because um, there was a, they didn't call him a team principal. He was like a director, in the interim of before Yost and after Claire. Oh yes, I know who you think. Managing. I can't think of the name, but I know who you mean. Yes. Yeah, I thought he did a good job, but I don't know how. I think that was left. just more of a transitory role and kind of keep the seat think, warm whilst we figure out what we want to do because we didn't quite expect to be in charge of Williams as soon as we were. 
I think, yeah, I think it was, but at the same time, he didn't do a bad job. So I'm like, why? Was it there long enough for us to measure that, though? Maybe not, but I th- who who are we gonna have? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean again, it's the, the natural, it's the consistency but... thing. You don't have. There's no one obvious that sprung to mind in any of the the articles and podcasts that I've listened to and read that jumps to mind it's kind of everyone goes immediately to Susie which I love first of all because it's just everyone trying to manifest this to happen regardless of if she wants it or not we're, we're telling you take the role Susie um for the good of everyone um but yeah I think the fact that there is no one obvious it doesn't speak volumes again and you're saying about needing to establish consistency and strong foundation to build on and all the rest of it every time you take a key piece out of the machine like this you have to start again from some respect and we just don't know who that's going to be but Williams are not the only team that are having that challenge at least well we don't know who's going to be in charge there we do know some other things from musical chairs on the team principals slash higher up uh, game as we shall say because then Tuesday morning First thing, bright and early, Fred Vasseur leaves Alfa Romeo. Shocking. Not really. What was even more shocking, bracket again, really not really, joined Ferrari as team principal, Eddie May. No, we, we just didn't see that coming. Not at all. Um, he's the only natural person we need to take the role, isn't he? I mean, Alfa Romeo had ties with Ferrari. Vasseur's already got that relationship with Ferrari. He's also got a good relationship with Charles Leclerc because he was his team principal back when he was with uh, Sauber at the time they were called, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. He's it's been there for six seasons. Yeah, and he's been in charge of teams with an F2 and F3 and won the championships there as well. He knows the role of team principal because he's done it for so long. I think the only thing left for him now is to just get on with it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things just like, oh, what did you do for Alfa Romeo? So I was like, you do forget that six seasons ago, they were right at the back of the grid, bringing them up to sixth this year. It's not as small a victory as a lot of people might think. That is quite a lot of hard work, especially when you've got the likes of Aston Martin and Alfa Tauri behind you. Um, and, okay, new regulations playing to the little bit, but you've still got to be there and take advantage of them when it comes. And as we said in our season review, they were plagued with some horrible reliability issues, especially for Valtteri Bottas for a lot of the season. So the fact that they can still get sixth on top of that does show how much he's managed to turn that team around. And it is a bit George Russell, Charles Leclerc-esque in, you do a year or two in your junior team and then you get your promotion up to the big league and now he's got it. And everyone who is a Ferrari fan has obviously noted that he is the first Frenchman to be in the role since Jean Tott, so naturally that means 2023 is the year. We've got ourselves a reason to hope again, as we do every other bloody year, to only be crushingly disappointed. But there is a bit more optimism this time with that. Like you say, he's he's a bit sassy, but he gets on with the job at the same time. It's kind of that nice balance you need, and you don't feel like there'll be any any bullshit there, really in terms of making up excuses for it. And I want to talk about Mattia just briefly there, because obviously he's gone. We knew that, and they didn't announce who was replacing him for a bit. Looks like they've been trying to replace him for a while. But I put it to you, as much as he had his flaws, replacing him does not automatically solve all of the other problems Ferrari has. So is this the Ferrari board, again, just getting a bit too involved and not letting 
the game play itself out a bit further and then just again trying to do maybe what Williams are trying to do and just speed up the process where you can't actually do that. I think Mateo had his time. I think he was brilliant. There's a go-to phrase about him at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think he was he was brilliant in his roles that were not team not principal. team principal. <laughs> yeah. Um I think I would rather have the serve there for I think he's got a harder exterior than Benotto, I think, like you said, he won't take crap. And I think, I mean, it might be completely different, but I think Benotto could be a, not a walkover, but not as such a hard exterior that the Sirs got. And I think. You never came across as a total or a Christian in terms of hard as nails. Yeah. We're going to fight for the series, kind of. I hate <laughs> It's better than the comparison comes to my head, but do you know the Muppets character that I'm thinking of? <laughs> No. I will put a picture up on, on, on socials later and I've, I had an idea for this sort of thing, but there is one Muppet in particular. He looks a little bit similar and I'm just thinking, yeah, he's got that kind of vibe to him and we can't take him seriously in a team principal role for that. Yeah, it's like he doesn't, you can't, yeah, you just, you just can't really see him in that role as such. And I think you can't just, Ferrari couldn't just keep promoting people within Ferrari up into the rock, into like higher roles and thinking this will solve everything I think they needed to they've kind of looked outside of Ferrari but within Ferrari at the same time because Vasseur's always kind of been there but kind of been able to do his own thing with Sauber mm. he's never really he's always kind of towed the party line as such and not expressing interest to be in charge of Ferrari, but also not saying he would never do it. It's just kind of, I'm perfectly happy with what I'm doing here. I want to do this series at Renault briefly before, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, for a season and then went off to Alfa Romeo, did a good job there. And again, it's just kind of slowly work on your craft behind the scenes, whereas, and, and in the role that he is now in, it's not like he was an engineer or a strategist and then gets promoted up. He was team principal, whereas Mattia and previous ones, I feel like, they were never team principals before they would have within Ferrari and because you know how the machine works, it's assumed you can then figure out how this role works, whereas it doesn't quite work like that. Um, but I think we, we'll leave that one there and just have maybe a hope of optimism there for next year. Yeah, it's not going to solve all Ferrari's woes, but hopefully a change You can crack in... the whip. Yeah, which is... I was... <laughs> it's funny because I've said for Williams they need that stability but with Ferrari I've said no we needed rid <laughs> so it's, it's it's that's just Formula 1 I think in a nutshell yeah but then there was the interesting news because obviously we have to replace Fred Vasseur then Dalfa Romeo and we didn't do that because instead of a team principal we got a CEO and in a CEO we got Andrea Seidel which was interesting because we weren't really expecting that. Apparently, he told Zach Brown earlier in the year that he was thinking of leaving at some point because he wanted to be part of Audi when they entered F1. And he's kind of done that a bit earlier than maybe planned, but I think Fred and Mattia kind of helped push that along a bit. And also probably why Fred wanted to jump early if you could see Andreas was coming in there. So 
interesting switch. We still don't know who's going to be running the team as team principal, so there's potentially some debate up for that. But again, no one immediately for me comes to mind. We'll see about you in a second. But uh, been with McLaren for a good few years, helped take them a little bit further up the grid. And uh, yeah, interest. just again, very silly season because that would, we would have thought he would stay there for quite a while. Yeah, I am definitely shocked that he left McLaren, but I guess because he told he told Zach apparently like at the first race of the year that he was like, I'm not going to continue my contract when it ends in I think in 2025. Hmm. So then things actually progressed a lot quicker because obviously now he's he's left. But I think he's obviously joined due to the Audi Salva merger happening, and I think that's a really exciting project for Seidel to get hands on with um, when they when Sauber inevitably becomes Audi in 2026. Um, yeah, obviously that's not filling the Alfa Romeo role of team principal. But it makes sense then why Fred Vasseur's then left because it's going to be a complete It's, it's, it's a knock-on effect. There. Everyone wants to go where they want to go and Mattia is kind of the only one left out in the cold. It'd be a little bit amusing if he turned up as Alfa Romeo team principal, but I don't see that happening. Um, but also good, like you say, for, for Seidel, he's he's at his new home a lot earlier than planned, so he can actually have a bit of more of a say, in, especially as CEO and not just team principal, in how everything is run and what they can do there. Because if you, we know the regulations for 26, what they need to do there, you can kind of work on that a little bit earlier and have a bit of shape there. You could see them being, shaking up the order in 26 then and I don't know if we still have Watas and Joe in that team by that point, but whoever would have the car itself, in theory, could be quite good if they keep building on what they've got at the moment. So 25 and 26, as the last year of one regulations and the beginning of a new set of them, could be quite tasty, although I might just be going optimistic. But uh, I will just put out one minor silly suggestion. Brackets, how silly is this for team principal? Because wouldn't you just love to see it? Kimmy? He would not take that role, even if you, <laughs> even if he had a Lotus contract where he like got how many thousand? It'd be a one-year one contract. I get a million for every point this team gets. Oh shit, we bankrupted Alfa Romeo yeah. and Audi. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, I have. It. They haven't really ruled out whether, I guess, Seidel could have that. I mean, he probably has too much on his hands with the merger. But he seems to have just looked at Zach Brown and thought, that looks quite fun as a role. I'm going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Like, Zach Brown, he wasn't great at it, but he did kind of try and lead McLaren and then obviously realised that he couldn't do it and got Seidel in. Um, I don't know. I really I really like Seidel. He's think, very quiet, Chip. He is. And it's... I was thinking about this this morning. You look at sort of 2019, he did such an amazing job and then sort of I wonder how well he then did because then 2020, well, 2020 they were third in the championship. I mean, so. yeah, and they did have a win. That was 2021, though, not 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know the trajectory you're like, going under. <laughs> yeah, 2020, yeah, they had a very good, very, very year. good year. Yeah. year. Um, yeah, then 2021, sorry, they had the win. 
Stefano Ricardo, they lost out to Ferrari. The constructors got fourth. And then this year, I wonder whether this year fell a bit flat due to the fact that Seidel had already had it planned in his head that he was leaving at like the start of the year. It's an interesting new way to look at it all now, isn't it, now that we have that information? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know. It is, it is a bit of a head-scratcher and one that we can definitely scratch our heads over further as the winter season goes. But again, it's but... like Williams, there isn't anyone... And Alfa Romeo that immediately comes to mind, like we said, that would come into that team principal role. And I don't know if that's just because we don't know enough of the personnel there, that we've not been nerdy enough to go and find out all the people who, who work for the team and know them all off by heart, or if that's just because there isn't actually anyone obvious there. And who would come? Because another thing that I saw is how much do you want to promote from within? You see how well that's worked for Ferrari. Or do you do a little bit what Mercedes did early doors and you look somewhere outside the business and you find someone like Toto and you see like they've got a good leadership background, they've got a good business sense and they, they've maybe got a passion over sport but it's not absolutely central. You just see a business where you're like, okay, how can we make this the most effective we possibly can? But if we're doing it from that perspective, that could literally be so many people. So I, that doesn't help in choosing who that would be, but it makes some more colourful predictions a bit more fun when we've had a bit more of a think about it. Yeah, I think with Alfa Romeo, they're probably going to look externally. And how much will Audi play a part in it? In terms of, if we want long-term stability, do you get someone who stays for a few years and then you have someone fresh for 26, or do you embed them in early doors? I think you embed them in early doors whilst... Because you can be excused for Alfa Romeo or Salva not being an amazing team for the, the these next few years so they can kind of learn on the job but also you've got to think Seidel probably has a lot of contacts because he's mm. been around different um he's got a lot of connections Audi series. And yeah and then you've got Audi then themselves Volkswagen group you've got like you, you just have to look at other racing series think they make a good team principal. Let's have them. Or even who was the Formula E team principal of Audi? Oh, you're asking too much of me there, Eddie, mate. It's too early <laughs> in the day for that. Don't be doing that to me. I'll have to I'll have to go and look at that. But yeah, maybe again, yeah, you look at like for like in whatever equivalent they've got in elsewhere and think if they've done an all right job there, maybe we can switch it around a bit and do a similar thing to what McLaren do in, in uh, hiring so many different drivers and just swapping them all between the various teams and just see, like, let's see where we all fit in best here and, and move on accordingly. Yeah, and it's... I think the most burning question I have is why did Seidel want to get out of McLaren? I think... It, why did yeah, you want... it's it's... Because on the one hand, I can see why Audi is a very lucrative prospect. It's yeah. a team he's always wanted to work for, and they finally come to F1. There's a good chance that to uh, be part of something big. But you are already part of something that is going to be quite big. You're trying to bring McLaren back to the front of the grid, and okay, it's not gone as quickly as you might want it to. But at the same time, you are team principal, so you kind of have to take a bit of flack for that. Um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one because, again, if we talk about McLaren a bit further then, with their new team principal, Andrea Stella, I was reading the press release on that earlier and someone, it's interesting the wording that they choose. It's like, we've was, wasn't chosen lightly, which makes me think, yeah, there's, there's ways of saying we took a long hard think about it to make sure that we chose the right person. But when you say we didn't choose him lightly, it makes you think that you weren't 100% sure about him for the role, but you went for him anyway, which as someone who's been in the team since 2015 and has done a solid job throughout in his various roles, you think, did someone not read that beforehand and think that could come across in maybe the wrong kind of way there? It just doesn't yeah. make you for, for a team that if they've known for as long as they have that Andreas Andreas is leaving, then they'd be a bit more over the the small the small details like this that uh, I can then make a lot of content out of. Yeah, I mean they they said that he was their first choice. Um, I don't I don't know he's a lot really about Stella himself. I know he's got pedigree of being in a championship winning team with obviously Ferrari at the tail end of Michael Schumacher and then being race engineer for Raikkonen and then he was with Alonso and subsequently moved with Alonso so yeah like you said he's been in McLaren Which, for a again, very long time say, if that was his basis for making a good decision <laughs> move yeah, with Alonso say... to McLaren move with Alonso anywhere in the first place is just awkward because you know what usually yeah. happens to the team he leaves and then you have those years at McLaren. Which he managed to stick around for and actually kind of get just kind of seeing McLaren get out of that now. Um yes, he, he knows McLaren well, so I guess that is probably that sort of natural progression. And he's been very close to Seidel's role, I guess. Um, in a way. And in some sense, he's had a year to prepare because there were talks, I think, at the start of mm. the year. It's, it's so, kind of, yeah, give, give or take, you've, you've had some time to prepare. It's just, again, I wonder, McLaren, Aston Martin are just reminding me of each other at the moment because they have such large plans to get to the front and they seem to, despite McLaren, keep saying they don't have much money, keep finding money left, right and centre to do various things. Um, it seems like they have all of the necessary parts between them and to make their own success, but neither team knows how to actually put them all together. Um, and that's kind of awkward because you, and you've got all these drivers on McLaren's roster. You've got Zach Brown doing, like getting a million and one sponsors per weekend for the car to get all that extra money in. And, and you've, but then you've got, coming next year, you've got a new driver with a car that is definitely not there yet. It definitely works well enough for one of them, but you don't know about the second one because you kept trying stuff all year and none of it really worked. You then got a new team principal who's got to, who is known in the team, but obviously that relationship will change then because you're in a bigger role. And you just wonder how much more of this kind of McLaren do we have to take and where will they actually turn up next year? Because if they're lower than they were this year, if they're, what were they this year, fifth? If they're yeah. fifth or lower next year in constructors, it's gonna there's gonna be so much more pressure, and you could end up there with another board being annoyed with how everything's run and expecting changes to be done immediately. 
when it is not doable. But again, it's the kind of every time you take a key component out, like a driver or a team principal, or in this case, both, you're resetting back to zero. And the only consistency there you have is Lando, who just seems to be, for lack of everything else, he does all right on the Sunday, gets the points, goes home. Yeah, and it's you've also got to think if Stella's moving into team principal, who's then going to take his role as well? And then it's like if they then are moving someone up into his role, who then has their role? It's again you're shuffling the board, and it's well, that instability again. My my last comment on on that is I wonder when all this when all this stuff is happening, if there's a certain someone sipping a cup of tea at home or a or, or a bourbon maybe and thinking, Do you miss me yet? And that would be Ron Dennis. <laughs> we'll get his maybe he'll be Alfa Romeo's team principal. Could you imagine? That would we haven't had a grey livery car in a while. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh do have a little bit of good news though, because the other, again, there's no re- aside. From, I was going to say there's no real shocking news aside from all the stuff we've just covered. But all the big bits of news are not that surprising because we've known this for months essentially. But it's finally been confirmed. Mick Schumacher, you'll be happy to know that in a third driver, reserve driver for Mercedes from next year, he's gone to the team where his dad finished his F1 career, and he seems very very happy about it. Toto seems very very happy about it. Lewis seems very very happy about it. I've not seen George's reaction, but I imagine he's quite happy about it too. Yeah, I mean, it's good for both sides, really. I mean, two of Mercedes reserve drivers have left, with Stoffel van Dorn going to Aston Martin and then Nick de Vries going to Alphatari to pair Yuki Tsunoda as their driver lineup. So there was a vacant spot that Mercedes needed to fill. And I think Mick is the perfect driver for that, as he's almost up to speed with the current cars due to being the driver last season. Mm. So if needs be, he can just hop in that car and it would hopefully take him less time to get up to speed. I'd quite like car. to see him in a practice session, especially if they keep developing that Mercedes as well as they have been. Yeah, definitely. And then on the other side, it helps Mick. As he's staying kind of in with F- within F1, he's keeping in the paddock, which means then he is more likely to get a seat for 2024, which was kind of... I don't know where Toto's... that would be, but... I don't know where it would be, but I think crucially he's out of the Ferrari Academy, so his options mm. are now a lot more broader. And I think Toto's pretty keen on getting him back in a permanent so Mercedes seat as do well. find a seat for you eventually. So they try and make yeah. it up as quickly as they can. It's just, they don't, we're not going to forget about you, but this may take a little bit of time, but we'll look after you in the meantime and we'll let you have a go in the car. And that'll just be fun to see Hamilton and Schumacher team up for a practice session. That's just going to be fun, for, if no other reason, just to see that on screen. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it's, it's, obviously Mick would have liked to see next year, but this is kind of the second best. I'd quite like it if, I don't, I don't know which team this would be for, but there's a team that it goes horribly wrong for next year, but they have a brilliant car. And then in 24, you can have Ricardo Schumacher team up and they take that team back up to glory. (laughs) I did think, Well, it's a make or break year next year, I think, for Yuki Sonoda. I, if, if I was either does... one of those drivers, I wouldn't want to get into into that uh, Alpha Tauri seat, though. It's it's anywhere in that program, I... you're going to be cursed unless you're Sebastian Vettel or uh, Max Verstappen, really. There's bad stuff coming your way sooner or later. Yes, but then at least you've got an F1 seat. 
I know, I know. It just it just strikes I, me I, of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, you can have the immortality, but you've got to stay in this one room. And it's, mm. Yeah, but then I think really next year that's the only Well that's why I said somebody's gonna go calamitous with a team with one team or another. Maybe Aston Martin have a brilliant yeah. car, but Alonso and Stroll just absolutely murder each other and they decide to fire both of them. I thought this isn't worth the hassle. Um, let's bring in uh, let's bring in Schumacher and Ricardo and Aston Martin. I'm almost going full circle now because a cat joins us. Um, do you think one of his uh, um, shortfalls was that they didn't get Nick DeFries in that second seat? Because you, it's almost kind of, do you want to do what Haas did and have two experienced drivers? rather than an experienced and a rookie to then try and get your team back up to where it needs to be because Sergeant's then going to just be learning how to his sort of F1 role rather than helping the team develop as such. Yeah, it is, it is that so, kind of idea of growing with one arm tied behind your back slightly there, which you'll get more access to it as the year goes on. But if you want to make these mass improvements as the board and whoever else wants you to do in a quick amount of time, then again, that's where it's going to be very interesting to see Haas v Williams next year and what they do there. Because the cars, okay, the Williams is slightly worse, but again, not by a country mile. And it's more the driver that got, the, the experienced driver got more out of those cars than... The, the younger drivers as such, they're the rookies. Latifi is an anomaly, but he's a beautiful one, so we'll leave him to it. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be quite interesting to see and what would then maybe change, because you've got to imagine that, yeah. again, it's, it's the whole thing. Do you keep Logan in for more than one year because he's American and they bring him lots of money for that? Or do you keep him, because, or does he actually just decide that he can drive really, really well and build on what he does? And we keep him because it's just pure talent. But again... It's, it's hard to know that that way, but either way, it's not easy for either driver of Ricardo or Schumacher to come back in 24, which does unfortunately mean that we do need at least two drivers to have an absolutely terrible time of it next year, which is, which okay, we're guaranteed one because Lance Stroll is an F1, but there still needs, we still need Aston Martin to actually have the common sense to replace him, which is a whole other matter entirely. So it just keeps going round and round in a, in a circle that we can't, we can't get out of. We need more more teams. We do, we do, but that's a debate for another time, I think. One yeah. last thing I will mention briefly just before we wrap up is that Saudi Arabia have asked the FIA if they can have the season opener of 2024 because they don't want it to mess with Ramadan, which is an interesting excuse for wanting to have the season That's fair enough. I know, it's yeah. just, it's amusing, it's like, did you not have enough money to pay them for this time to try and overtake Bahrain? So you needed to come up with a different excuse for it? Or but uh, if Saudi Arabia was the opener for 2024, better or worse for you than Bahrain? I wouldn't want Saudi as the opener. Well, there you have it. I mean, it's, 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 it's a fair enough, it's like, it's fair enough. Um, I just love that of all the problems like, that are going on with that Grand Prix venue, that's the reasoning they give for... <laughs> For wanting to have it earlier in the year, yeah, it's. I have no problem with the reason. That's that's fair enough. But I I don't want you as an opener. I like. I mean, Bahrain is Bahrain is where we're used to now. If it can't be Australia, then it's going to be Bahrain. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's 
you either have Australia or Bahrain, and Bahrain. I think out of the two, actually, I prefer Bahrain. I really like that as a as a career race. Well, that is all we're going to talk about on this episode. Anyway, where can people find you in the meantime? Well, that's a great Hi. answer. Yep. <laughs> As for me, all the usual places on the curbs, is it fast, paddock, passion, they're all going to be in the description below. We'll be back with a season review episode very soon. It's a monster length one, so do enjoy that, and we will see you very, very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.